Welcome to the 56th episode of the Terp Talk Young Turfs podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason the Intern Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're talking all about the Terps win over the weekend, 42-13 to over Minnesota, the Walters report that was released on Friday, and, of course, the non-rev rundown. But before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Watercrafters. Watercrafters in Gaithersburg, Maryland, has been providing swimming pool services and supplies to the Montgomery County area for the past 35 years. Watercrafters' highly skilled service staff can open and close your pool, as well as provide new equipment installations, repairs, and weekly service. The Gaithersburg Retail Showroom has everything for your swimming pool, including chemicals, parts, and fun accessories, Visit the Watercrafters Retail Showroom in the Gaithersburg Air Park or online at www.watercrafters.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things off, men's soccer lost to Wisconsin 2-1 to one on Saturday night, and they are now 2-3-2 two, and two on a somewhat disappointing season. Well, Jordan, that game was actually played on Friday night. Terp fans got a chance to see our team on BTN. They were winning till about the 88 and a half minute, and then everything turned pretty bad. Uh, they gave up a goal on a play that I personally thought was an offside, but the refs didn't seem to agree with me. And then they gave up a goal that could have been a handball in overtime, but it actually hit off a Wisconsin player's face and went into the back of the goal. Well, as the ball continues bouncing the wrong way for them, they'll get a chance to redeem themselves. On the 26th at Rutgers, should be a win, but right now, who knows? Yeah, this team's had it rough, especially on offense. Hopefully, though, they'll get it going. They still have a chance. They still have most of this Big Ten season in front of them. They can make something happen here late season. It just, they got to get something going on offense. Well, on to field hockey, probably the best Maryland team of the whole entire academic year. They beat number Ohio, number 23 Ohio State and then number 8 Michigan this week, but they got a big one this weekend. Yeah, the Terps continue to roll. If you're a Terp fan, this is a team you have to see. They're beating ranked team after ranked team, and this weekend they'll get a chance to prove their dominance. Number 1 UConn on Sunday. It's been a rivalry over the past few years. UConn's generally gotten the better of the Terps, but Sunday it's going to be a battle of the Titans in the field hockey world. That will be in Soros, Connecticut, and um, I guess we'll see if we really are the best team in the country or not. Yes, we will. Women's soccer, it's not going too great. 3-5-3 three, and three now on the season, a loss to Rutgers, 2-1 to one in overtime on Sunday. They'll continue Big Ten play Thursday against Minnesota, but things are not looking good for this up-and-down women's soccer team. Hey, you know, this is progress, though. They aren't getting blown out anymore. And, yeah, I would like to see some more wins out of them, but we can call this a step in the right direction. Yeah, volleyball for the Terps. They brought out the brooms against Rutgers on Wednesday, and then they got broomed by number 7 Minnesota Saturday. They'll take on Purdue at the Xfinity Center Pavilion on Wednesday. They had some games where they competed against some of these top teams last season, but this one against Minnesota was not one of them. Yeah, we still are reeling from the loss of head coach. Um, sorry, Mason, what's the name of the Indiana head coach now? Steve Aird. 
Yeah, and you know his loss was big for us, and now we're just kind of dealing with what the repercussions of that still, I guess. I don't think they are at all, Jordan. I think they've done a great job replacing Coach Aird, even though he was an expert recruiter. They do look pretty good. I think they can compete with a lot of teams. They still have a lot of the Steve Aird players that were, you know, those top recruiting classes. They got some talent, and in these next few years, they should expect to compete better. I always hope so, and um, now we get back to football. I guess the first positive note here is we got some votes in the AP poll again. Yeah, Maryland returned to the AP poll voting at number 44 this week, uh, but the Texas Longhorns are now number 18 in the country, Jordan. Hey, they beat two ranked teams in a row. I can't fault the voters that much. They've definitely showed some stuff, and it's not like we're necessarily a bad loss. But um, it's definitely jarring to see them all the way back up to 18, especially since they were only 23 when we beat them. Yeah, that's where it, it just seems to be like where everyone, you know, wants them to be. So they kind of vote that way. Well, that's not necessarily true. It's just been a bloodbath in the AP poll recently. There were three teams that fell out of the AP poll on one loss. Um, so it's just kind of hard to see if anyone's any good right now. Yeah, I guess. Um, you know, it's that early season college football. It's always has its surprises, teams that lose a game early, lose a game that they're unexpected to lose, like Maryland and Temple. But, you know, you win and you're back in kind of thing. Um, now on to the tougher side of things for this football program. The Walters report was released on Friday. Yeah, so looking at the report, um, there's not much groundbreaking here. We got a real timeline, which we got from the um, the practice tape, which didn't, Sorry, the workout tape, which didn't actually show us anything about Jordan's condition, but it did give us a timeline. So 34 minutes after he started showing symptoms, the medical staff removed him from the field. 67 minutes after that, after he started showing symptoms, they called 911. And then 99 minutes after he left the field, he left the area in an ambulance. Um, The trainers did not use cold water immersion, as we already knew, because they were afraid that Jordan would drown in the tub due to the size of him versus the small stature of the athlete. Oh, sorry, trainer for item care. Um, the staff treated him with cold towels instead. DJ Durkin was on the field for the workout, but was not involved in the medical treatment. No surprise there. Um, Walters interviewed six student athletes during the investigation and interviewed all assistant coaches present. And I guess the biggest takeaway is the lack of any clarity with DJ Durkin and his situation. Yeah, this was really um, very medical. Not a lot of analysis, actually no analysis really in the report. It gave us really, I guess, assurance on things that a lot of us really thought we knew. With the timeline, there is a tape. It, as you already stated, it doesn't really show anything. Um, but what does this really do? Well, it further indicts that Maryland failed on all fronts to provide adequate care for Jordan McNair. Um, I don't really understand personally the lack of the concern of him drowning in the tub. Um, I don't, just physically doesn't make sense to me, but okay, I guess. Um, but nothing really new here. Just it's further proof that Maryland handled this as almost as poorly as I could have. And I guess we'd have to deal with that. Yeah. The one thing that was really noticed, I got a chance to look over this with Wayne and really hear his thoughts on it and, you know, of course, for my own opinions, is the amount of mentioning of this emergency plan that 
Maryland Athletics had really being 130 pages long and not really, you know, when a situation like this happens, first of all, the athletic trainers are definitely trained in situations of heat stroke. But the um, the plan not really being able to be used because it's 130 pages long. You know, we're looking for something quick here. I know it's more of a legal thing. They have to cover themselves in those plans. But, you know, 130 pages, how are you supposed to use that when something like this happens? Is 130 pages for all situations or just for heat stroke? I'm pretty sure it's for all situations, but still. I mean, these are things to do, you know, actions to take, like directions to use. I know every situation's different, but these are, you know, what needs to be done kind of things. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if you go to the doctor or whatever, wherever you get medical treatment, usually on the wall, there's just a sheet of paper saying what to do if there's a heart attack. It's usually one sheet and saying, like, do these things. And you think, especially in a situation like this where there's athletes, you know, weighing 300 pounds and 20 pounds of pads, so it's 90 degrees outside. You 80. Think that heat's it was 80 degrees. Okay, but I'm saying it can be 90. It can be 100. It can be really hot on the field, especially with this turf. You should have, if a heat stroke kind of a likely thing that could happen, you should have something like that that says do these things, and it's disappointing they didn't have that. Yeah, it's really just a shame, and that's that's pretty much what this proves further is just what a tragedy this was and just things like this shouldn't happen no we were underprepared for it and hopefully it'll never happen again so um i guess on the still lighter side this doesn't really mean anything for dj durkin does it no i don't really think so i think that um it's hard to understand why he's not back or fired at this point well, they're waiting for the um, what what do they call it? The culture investigation. I just the the culture. I mean, look at the look at the way his team's playing right now. Did they give up? Did all these players leave? Did you know when something like that happens, the kids that are involved usually you know react a certain way. Somebody leaves and directly cites um whatever happened with the coaching staff or you know. You know what I'm saying, and I believe that all of our, a lot of sports fans do. There hasn't been, like, a retaliation from the team or anything. There hasn't anything. been a mass exodus of players. I know what you're saying, yeah. And I understand why they have to investigate it, but I, there's not a lot of evidence the more we look at this to incite a toxic culture. But I understand what, what they have to do. But when should we get the culture report back? Uh, reports from uh, Terrapin Times have said between two and four weeks from now. But, I mean, at that point, we're in, what, week eight of our football season? If it goes towards the um, – if it goes to the, towards the four weeks, then, yeah, we'll be in week eight, and it'll just be Matt Cato's season, I think, at that point. And I don't know. Even if – let's say it comes back in two weeks. In two weeks, we beat Michigan, and we're probably ranked. Do you want – you necessarily want DJ to come back? Yeah, I still think that – you know, this is his team. He put together this this group of guys. He's been involved with getting them ready for the season. He hasn't really been involved since the season started, as we know. Yeah, I, I do think he should return at that point. I, I know that Matt Canada's doing a really good job, and I especially if they do defeat Michigan, he will be, you know, kind of become a hot guy to get as a head coach. But 
DJ is the one that put us in this situation, and I do think he should return if he's given that opportunity. Well, I, I know this is kind of hypothetical, but personally, I don't know if you do bring him back at that point. Because if we beat Michigan, let's just say for the sake of argument we do, and I know we'll have an upset of Michigan, but just for the sake of this, we beat Michigan, they're probably ranked, if they don't lose again, let's say 12 or 11. Okay. You beat Michigan on you beat Michigan on the road. You're probably ranked. I mean, DJ's never won that game. DJ's teams. Yeah, continue. I was going to say that DJ has just gotten to the point with the players that he, as he would put it, would be in position to win this game given the guys that he has. And I don't really like that statement, but that's a story for another day. But you know, this is this is year three. This is when something like that's supposed to happen, right? Yeah, and it's. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy decision by any stretch, if, especially if we win that game, but I'm just saying that I've just watched enough football over my time to know that you probably don't want to change coaches if you manage to pull that off. But let's, I guess, hope we have that problem in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and let's let's go on to what's happening right here, right now, and that, of course, was Maryland's big win over Minnesota, 42-13. to Jordan, your initial thoughts. Well, my initial thoughts were that the run game was back, and oh my, did we need to win that game, and we did. Yeah, I would agree with that. My first thoughts were, you don't throw the ball unless you have to, and we're going to pound the rock if we can. Of course, you know, there's still some concern here with the receiving core and who can really step up and make big plays, but man, did they come out and look like a different team from a week ago. Yeah, and we'll get to those concerns a little bit later. But for now, the good. I'll give you my positives. Um, no turnovers. Ty Johnson and Anthony McFarland both look like bell cow running backs. And the defense played maybe its best game of the season. Yeah, and what I said before the game on our podcast on Wednesday with Wayne was Minnesota, they, they have question marks. Their quarterback, Zach Onyxstad, a preferred walk-on in his freshman season, given the starting role, the loss of Rodney Smith, the star running back, and another back that went for 300 yards last year. Both of those guys aren't on the field anymore. But a defense that's given up 27 points all year, and Maryland made him look like Swiss cheese. Well, Swiss cheese, you talking about Wisconsin, not Minnesota. But yeah, I don't, I don't really understand where this rushing attack went to last week. But they showed up this week. Ty Johnson was the offensive player of the game, in my opinion, though Anthony McFarland certainly made his case for it. Um, the only thing that really didn't work on offense was the jet sweep game. Yeah, but it gave him that big play early, and I feel like that's where we are with this football team is they need a fast start, and that's what this jet sweep play with Jones provided is you have – I'm starting to think a limited amount of jet sweeps per game and they used it when they feel like when they felt like they needed it and that's early on and I completely agree with that. Uh, speaking of Jayshon Jones, um he has his one jet sweep for twenty seven yards and then he had one screen for negative three yards. I don't know what to make of him at this point. Get that man the ball. How many times do I have to say this? I mean, you gotta get him the football. Every time he touches it, he looks explosive. I know that screenplay did get blown up. But there's a lack of, in my opinion at this point, down-the-field throws to our down-the-field receivers. Jayshon Jones 
and Tavon Jacobs. Of I course, receive. Oh, go ahead. Of course, you know we got him the ball in the jet sweep game. Agree with that, but I still look back at that Texas game and I think you know three touches, three touchdowns. Let's get that man the football. Um, do you have any different thoughts from that? In terms of Jayshon, no. I think that you should try to get him the ball more. I don't know, really know how you want to go about that, but I think maybe run more screens, more flare routes. I'd send him on go routes too. Like I think he is has a deep ability. But speaking of the, on the receiving side, DJ Turner in his third season finally scored a touchdown for Maryland. Yeah, we're talking about a team here, and I know that you love to say this. Kasim Hill threw the ball 14 times in this football game, 10 for 14, 117, a touchdown. One of those passes, and it was a really good play, was the throw to DJ Turner. Kasim scrambling out to the right side, gets hit from the back, delivers a complete bomb. I mean, not bomb, it was a cannon shot into the hands of DJ Turner that breaks away from a defensive back end, runs it in 54 yards to the end zone. He shows explosion, but another guy that just hasn't gotten the ball in his time as a turf. Oh, I can understand that DJ Turner never really has shown what he showed on the one play today. Uh, Tavon Jacobs, flat catch 52 yards, maybe a number one, but he doesn't he definitely doesn't have the body type to be a number one receiver, but maybe he is by default at this point. Look, let's say it. There's no DJ Moore. There's no Stephon Diggs. There's no Deion Long on this football team. It's a, it's a bunch of babies and Tavon Jacobs. DJ Turner really hasn't had the game experience. Neither has Jarvis Davenport. You know, we got a bunch of baby turtles out there, and every week I think we're relying on a different one to, you know, step up that week. I don't really think there's much consistency past Tavon Jacobs on this team. So, you know, it's it's all about getting, you know, who's hot that week, who looks good in practice. It's kind of that situation, so I don't blame Coach Canada and Coach Beatty for not having one of these freshmen really step up and produce, but someone's going to have to step up every week or we're going to be in the Temple game situation where we just can't throw the ball. Yeah, and that's the other part, I guess, more than the negative side, is that we still haven't shown that we can really throw the ball. And, yeah, I understand that we don't haven't really had to yet. But that's not true, actually. We did have to in the Temple game. We couldn't. So I'm still uncomfortable on that side. But the run game is good enough to say that we didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, let's hit on the offensive line before we move on to the stellar defensive performance Marcus Miner, from right tackle to left tackle out there, we had Marcus Miner, the return of Terrence Davis, center Brendan Moore moved back to center, and then we had, of course, Sean Christie and the return of Derwin Gray on the left side. So a few guys come back. Of course, Damian Prince is still out, but we'll hit on that in our injury report. They definitely looked better, though. Oh, absolutely. They had the return of Terrence Davis and um... – Derwin Gray. Yeah, and that made all the difference for the run game. Um, Ty Johnson, of course, 123 yards. Anthony McFarland, 112 yards. Um, Tayon Fleet-Davis did not show the same moves that we've seen at the last few games from him, but I suppose that's going to happen. Um, Lolo and Jake Funk, of course, were out, but the rushing attack was hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, 37 carries from that group for 315 yards and four scores. Can't ask for much more than that. The line, though, they looked better. They could pass block. They could run block. Terrence Davis, man, did he make some plays in that game. Yeah, he did. Um, flipping over to defense, 
the pass rush was looking okay for sacks. Trey Watson, though, gets our um, unofficial Young Trips Player of the Game award, though. Yeah, he also got the Big Ten Player of the Week on defense. Uh, 11 tackles, six of them solo, a sack, a tackle for loss, the pick six. Man, that pick six, um, looking at our defense for the day, really put this one, in my opinion, away. Oh, yeah, it absolutely did. It's at the tone for the rest of the game. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect of Trey Watson after he left Illinois under um, some odd circumstances, but he has been absolutely phenomenal for us so far. Yeah, he's really he's the same guy. Leads the team of tackles. He We got a chance to see him in the presser after the game. Man, did he love to talk about football, and I always love when I see that. Guys that really love to talk about the game. Um, this defense, though, they kind of took that next step. You're playing against a team that, while they had injuries, including to their quarterback, Onyx Stodd, they love to run the football. And that's kind of a thing that we've struggled against in these past couple of years, is a team that relies on, we're going to hand the ball off, our guys are going to push you two yards back, and our running backs can gain five yards by falling forward. You know, Maryland hasn't had a lot of success. I know you love to talk about how that's one of our, you know, that next step that we need to take is not to have that just be too easy. Yeah, um, another player that I thought didn't get enough props for his performance in this game was Tino Ellis with five tackles, a tackle for loss, and a game-high five passes defended. I know we were talking about earlier in our podcast history of getting a number one cornerback. I think Tino Ellis may fill in that role. Yeah, Tino, he had to step up due to due to some injuries and suspensions in the defensive backfield in this game. He did it while we're on the defensive backfield, though. Some of these pass interference calls, like, how, how were some of those penalties? Like, I, I just I just don't understand. I don't know. I'm not going to try to understand it either, but I'm not going to complain too much. We won 42-13. I suppose we're talking about the defensive backfield, though. This is a good time as any to talk about injuries, Mason. Yeah, and before we talk about injuries and who will be sitting in those allied tents this week, Allied Party Rentals, of course, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied Party Rentals has what you need, whether you're setting up a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. They have the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. They're, of course, located right next to College Park in Beltsville and serving the DMV. Contact Allied today for a no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, there's going to be some big players in those tents this week. We have Darnell Savage. He went out after a huge hit against a Minnesota player. Antoine Richardson, so both safeties, they went down. Of course, Lolo Harrison, Jake Funk. Damian Prince, Johnny Jordan also did not dress. Adam McClain, he d- did not play. So right there, that's seven guys, and we did have a suspension for an unknown reason to Marcus Lewis, the defensive back. So the injuries start to mount just like they do for every team at this point in the season. But Darnell Savage, that could be a big one. Yeah, it could. Um, I'm not sure if we can really replace him effectively. I know we are both concerned about the fitness at a safety position, and that might come to haunt us soon. But thankfully, we are going to the bye week. I'm not so sure if it's – well, yes, thank – we really did get a nice position bye week. 
not so sure it's about the thinness, but Darnell Savage is the guy on this defense. Him and Antoine Brooks, they make big plays. They're big play guys. They're NFL prospects. Darnell Savage is trending towards that top three of safeties in this draft. He's the leader out there. That That's just, it's a big loss, especially in the defensive backfield, where not a lot of guys past that first set of players have really had big-time game experience, especially going into the big house. Um, yeah, it does. You don't want to be shaken up by the big, the larger stadium in the Big Ten. And without Darnell Savage calling the shots from the safety position, I'm not sure how we're going to handle that. But I guess it's a good time to any transition into our, what we didn't like. I guess my biggest concern was, like you said, we still don't see much from the passing game, and it's starting to wear on me. Yeah, I think the philosophy here is the run game, obviously, now. Anthony McFarlane was so good. He actually had my play of the game. Of course, he split those two safeties on the way to the end zone. Um, yeah, but the passing game, I don't think we're going to use it unless we need it, and I felt like you got to get some practice in there, and this game was a good one to do it when you got that big lead. Obviously, Coach Kanda, who I have a lot of faith in, of course, as a passing guru, um, he didn't feel that way, so... I guess I shouldn't either. I, I don't know. I do know that when we need to use a passing game against Temple, we d- could not. And we still haven't really established an experienced receiving core, so I don't know if we're going to have the chance to do that before, as the season goes on. Hopefully in the bye week we'll get some practice for that. Yeah, my biggest um, thing that I didn't like was the punt return game. Calling, and here's a scenario for you, Jordan. I'm sure you saw it in the game. Tavon Jacobs is back there. I don't really love that one. He is really important to this football team. He catches the ball where it seems like if he just went straight in a line, he could get five yards. Instead, he fair catches the football on the eight-yard line, the six-yard line. Uh, You let one bounce, that ended up on the two. You know, why not catch the ball and run in a straight line for five yards and put us on the 13, the 18, the, you know, just, just move the ball up, especially when you're inside your own 10. Well, I can tell you the reasoning is that punt return hits are the most brutal ones in the game. But I understand what you're saying. Um, I've heard some people float the idea that Ty Johnson should return punts as he's become kind of a utility guy. He's a gunner on punt return, uh, punt coverage now too. But I think he's far too valuable to put back there, in my opinion at least. Yeah, he's a pretty valuable guy, but he has played special teams, I'm pretty sure, all four years at Maryland. They use him on the punt block team. They use him on the now even the punt coverage team. He can play everywhere. He would do it. I'm sure he would step in there. He is the kick returner. Um, but, yeah, I have to agree with you. We have other guys that have speed. Let's throw one of those guys out there. And, really, you just you can't put yourself inside your own 10-yard line when you can get out. No, but Wade Lees was good in this game. I know he didn't punt much, but. Wade Lees looks so much better and when you're looking at the the different styles of his punt the people that we sit with at the football games love or really dislike the Australian style punt they're more of a just you know classic football guys um they point out that he doesn't run back and forth anymore unless he has to is that the change maybe it is he got um five kicks I feel like a lot considering how much he scored but five punts in this game for an average of 46 yards and a boomer of 56 for his long. 
Um, I don't know. It's just it's nice to have decent special teams finally again. Yeah, it is really nice. Um, man, it's it's been a while since we I've had confidence like this, especially in our punting game. One more thing that you told me about when we were talking about this podcast: the time of possession, thirty-three minutes and twenty-nine seconds for the Golden Gophers, twenty-six minutes and thirty-one seconds. We don't sustain a lot of drives, Jordan. No, we're a big play team, and that is a bit of concern, honestly, because that means defense doesn't get a chance to rest very much. Yeah, I feel like it's a few first downs than a big run kind of thing. It's not really a run the ball four times, twice for three yards, once for four yards, get a first down. We're not running that offense despite what a lot of people thought we would be. Uh, it's a big play team. It's an 8.5 yards per rush team. Hopefully we'll get it together as these big games come on, but as of now, we're a big play football team. Yes, we are, and um, I guess our next podcast we'll talk more about injuries and uh, looking ahead the rest of the season, but for now, I think that does it, Mason. Yeah, big win for the Terps. Um, it, it couldn't have been better. We really needed this one after what happened against Temple. I'm proud of the way we fought. I feel like a lot of Maryland fans are, and it was just really nice to see. Yeah, it was. It was a refresher after get, losing some of those games to um, lesser conference opponents and then falling apart. We did not this time, and it was great to see. Yes, it was. Wednesday, as we already hit on, we'll be talking about the rest of the season, hopefully with a guest. And then Saturday, we'll, we will be bringing in another guest. Um, you know, it's the bye week. It's it's nice to um, be here as a 3 and one as a three and one football team. It's really good to see. We haven't sustained huge injuries yet. Of course, we don't know what the injuries are to our guys. Hopefully we'll have some more information on that moving forward. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors, finer four gates of Rockville. They built TerpTalk.com. They can build a website just like that for you. Watercrafters in the Gaithersburg air park. They're the place to go in Montgomery County to close your pool this season it's that time of year again. If you're a pool owner, Watercrafters in Montgomery County is the place to do it. Call them today. And Ally Party Rentals, they're your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. They can do it all. Luncheons, business events, weddings. They got all the materials to make that party right just for you. Jordan will be back here on Wednesday, and I think that's going to do it for this podcast. Well, there's one more piece of news that I just saw. Our game against Michigan in two weeks will be on ABC at 12 o'clock, so we got a big one. America's 12 o'clock team, that's Maryland football. We'll talk more about that in our coming episodes. And as always, thanks for listening.